It's totally unfair for one side to have a professional player. All right, all right. You guys can have Serena. Uh, I just ate a personal pizza. Ugh. Oh, you're dumping me? Honey, I'll make it up to you in bottle rockets. Hmm. Okay, swing, run, hit the thing. Now run across the... Uh. Yes. <gasps> Whoopsie. Marge, how bad do you want to win? Oh, oh, I'd do anything. Good. Yo, Pete, Pete Sampras, hmm? get over here. Yes, I'm in. Hmm? <laughs> Everybody's been dumped but me! I'm undumpable! Yoink! My tennis stick! Who are you? I'm Andre Agassi. The wrestler? Come on, Tubby, get off the court! Scat! Four finger discount, dude! Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode CABF07. It is Tennis the Menace. I am Dando. I am Guy. Dando, how are you traveling today, sir? I'm going well. Well, I was going really good. And because I went to, I just talked to you off air. I just said how Nicola and Holly and I, we went to town because I've still got some time off work and Ali's at daycare. So we thought, let's make the most of it and get out and have some quiet time. I thought you it's hard to sort of. I thought you left Elliot at home by himself. Just like, oh. eh, we've got the new one. This, the, the older one can take care of himself. <laughs> Believe me, we've considered it. There's been several cases over the weekend where I've threatened just going in the bin because <laughs> terrible twos, terrible twos have hit, and um, yeah, hasn't been great. Did I tell you, uh, Elliot gave me a black eye over the weekend? You, you did not tell me this. Yeah, so I was put, trying to put him to bed. And I said, right, mate, what we're going to do is we're going to go get your car's books. We'll read your car's books and it's time for Nine Eyes. He's meanwhile holding cars in his hands. He screams no and belts me in the eye with his car. And I had a shiner for two days. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. So I've been officially beaten up by my two-year-old already. <laughs> or Already a case of elder abuse. You know, they're starting exactly. early. It's- exactly, exactly. Oh, but anyway, like I said, we're in town, just having a bit of a quiet time, quiet shopping without Elliot running around like a maniac and... Started off by going to the you know the local place in town, Cheeky Chicken. I haven't had it for a good several years, and I recommend getting the uh, the chicken and chips and gravy meal. It was great. Anyway, so that, the lunch lunch went off to a good start with it with a cheeky chicken meal in uh, Westfield and Geelong. Then I said to Nicola, she had to go feed Holly. I said, I'm just going to go to our local record store, Gifts for the Geek, and go buy a record. And I get there, and a record a record store day wanted to get a, a new record, and um, I said, oh, the new record stay. Uh, LPs arrived. No, unfortunately, they haven't arrived and they're not going to arrive because our shipment got shipped somewhere else and that person has now claimed they never received them so they've officially been declared stolen. So I'm like, well, shit. Now oh. I've got to pay eBay prices for the LP that I wanted. But anyway, whatever. I get back to, to Nicola. Nicola says, can you go do some shopping for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. So she's still feeding. I go do the shopping. I pick up the basket. So I thought, oh, I'll start off with the basket. And that, that was a mistake in the first place because it was too much for one basket, as I would soon learn because the basket handle snapped off and shopping went everywhere. So I had oh to start from God. scratch. I went and got a trolley. I'm about three quarters of the way through shopping. I'm down aisle, I believe, six in Westfield Coles and the trolley locks on me. You know how they lock when you go too far from the supermarket? Well, I'm in the supermarket and it locked on me. And the worker goes, well, this has never happened before. And I'm like, oh, well, it's fucking happened now. And he tried for about five minutes to try and unlock it. He couldn't figure it out. So then I had to go get another trolley from the front, bring it back in, 
restock my shopping into a new trolley, two aisles up, fucking locks again. <laughs> Dando, you are born under a bad sign, my man. This is... <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what happened, man, but man, I did something wrong, obviously, because yeah, two... It's never happened before, and then bang, twice. I don't know. By the second time, I thought I was on a fucking reality show. <laughs> I, I, you didn't tell me any of this when we were talking off air, and I just I mentioned quickly that I was, you know, thinking about heading to town. I don't think I will now. It just sounds like an absolute hazard. <laughs> Avoid coals at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's cheer you up, by, perhaps by uh, discussing tennis the menace. The, uh, this latest episode of The Simpsons. So, Tennis the Menace was an episode that a few people have told me it's a waste of time, not really that good. I wouldn't say it was a bad episode. It certainly had its moments. It just felt to me like it was a bit of a, a bit wasted. I mean, they had these huge, huge megastars when it comes to athletes. I mean, you know, Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras, and the Venus sisters. Like that, 2001 doesn't get much bigger than that when it comes to tennis, right? I mean, the, the, the Williams sisters are still going. And they only appear in the last five minutes of the episode. And I just sort of thought... Too much of the episode was wasted, setting up nothing, and then they all of a sudden Homer just buys a tennis court. And I was like, you just wasted like six, seven minutes of TV for nothing. Well, they actually, I think they acknowledged that. I mean, I was... I, they I, did, I, yeah. I, I paused it at the, uh, the five minute and 46 second mark, which was yeah, basically the inciting incident. And I think Homer actually said, yeah, didn't, <laughs> you didn't expect we'd end up here, did you? So yeah, I mean, there's close to six minutes of the episode, like close to a full third yeah, on something that <laughs> didn't really that really had no bearing on the rest of the episode, on the characters or anything like that. It was just to get us to the point where they could, uh, yeah, have a tennis court in their backyard. And look, I, <laughs> I think I've gone on record in the past of as you know saying, look, it felt similar to that whole thing we've got with the end of episodes recently, where it's like uh, we can't work out an ending. Okay, let's just say this happens. And yeah, you know, sometimes that works more often than not, it doesn't. And this kind of felt like a bit of a a swerve on that. It's like, well, yeah, okay, we've got to get to a, we've got to get to tennis because somewhere along the line we um, managed to secure the services of the Williams sisters, of Andre Agassi, of Pete Sampras. I'm getting the feeling they actually probably started with that. It's like, you know, the the people at Team Simpsons probably heard hey, Venus and Serena are really into The Simpsons and they'd be happy to lend their voices to an episode. Okay, let's write a tennis episode. That's 100% what would have happened. But I just think that Ian, Max Stone, Graham, who wrote the episode, just maybe got a little bit too carried away with the whole funeral home thing because I'm just like, this is just wasting time. <laughs> it, is, it is. I mean, so that whole little bit about, yeah, well, this is how we got here. It's like, okay, it's a bit of a wink. And part of me didn't hate it, but part of me was like, you didn't need to spend this long, even though... That's the thing. Yeah, I don't mind doing it, but just six minutes just seemed a bit too much to me. But even then, I mean, with the remainder of the episode, I think halfway through my notes of... What have I written here? <laughs> oh, yes. Mm, you can feel this straining to fill out the episode. It didn't feel Yeah, there's like not was, much happening, is there? There's not much in this at all. It's like a you know, bag of air essentially. That's um, why I started this podcast with a story about my day because I was like, it's going to have to go for at least half an hour. I need to fill some time. <laughs> yeah, I think you made up half that. I think that second trolley incident didn't actually happen. I think you just made that up. Just I never actually left the house this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I mean, not, not, a, not a terrible episode. I mean, yeah, there was some okay jokes in it and it all sort of, it made sense. I guess, but it just felt incredibly slight, incredibly featherweight. 
So um, yeah, definitely. I actually yeah. looked up previous episodes that Max Stone Graham has written, and I never realized. So he he's been writing for a couple of seasons now, and he's actually notorious in the uh, well, he was in two thousand and one with the the internet fans of the Simpsons because he went on record as saying. Uh, with an, in an interview in 1998 with The Independent that he'd barely even watched The Simpsons before he became a, a writer for the show, before he was hired. Oh. And he he ridiculed what he called the Beatle-browed people on the internet for their criticism of the show. So he immediately lost favour with uh, <laughs> with the internet with the internet fans in 2001 or in the late 90s. And I look back and he wrote episodes, uh, he wrote the Tamako episode, E-I-E-I Annoyed Grunt. Mm-hmm. He wrote the, uh, the one when Maud Flanders passed away. Now... Really enjoyable episodes, but when you think about it, both those episodes also started with acts that don't really lead to anything. I know, I know it led to I know it led to more Flanders dying, but it was like a f- five minutes of them at the race course. It was just like wasting time. The EIEI annoyed grunt had the glove slap. That has nothing to do with the tobacco farm. Hmm. Okay. Well, clearly this guy's got a uh, a style or a format that he follows when he's writing scripts. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to be. I'm kind of torn here because. Yeah, I think we've spoken in the past either on Four Finger Discount or on a Guy and Dando show about you don't necessarily need to be a super fan of the thing you're working on. Sometimes it's better not to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might just have good comedy skills. You might just be a good, you know, you might be good at writing gags or characters or whatever and not specifically Homer gags or Springfield situations or anything like that. You just have to be good at comedy and then you can adapt to what you're working with. But... I don't know. I mean, I think for maybe for a show that had been going for a decade uh, and had built up an incredible amount of goodwill and an incredible amount of mythology in that time as well, I think mm, it pays definitely. to be sort of up to speed with it. And, you know, not necessarily, oh, I love it and I just want to pay tribute to it. And I just want to do right by The Simpsons and everybody in Springfield. It's more like, no, I don't think you have to be fawning, but I think you have to know a bit about what you're talking about. And, have some degree of respect, at least. That's the word I was going to say, respect, because this is the thing. People have dedicated 10 years of this life, of their lives watching this show, and all of a sudden now, we're reviewing season 11, season 12, these ones here, where you sort of have to watch them as a standalone thing and not pay any attention to what's come in the past. Mm. And I feel like writers such as Ian, although he did write some great episodes from like the, the, the late 90s, he's now sort of writing episodes where they've sort of taken the mindset of, it doesn't matter what's come before, just enjoy this because it's funny. Which, yeah. you know, if you're just watching The Simpsons because you want to laugh, that's fine, but I can still understand why some people would be annoyed by this kind of writing. Yeah, and I honestly think you can probably try to strike a happy medium between the two of, you know, showing some degree of respect for what's gone before and everything that's been built up, but at the same time not being completely beholden to it and maybe not going overall grand as a result. I mean, you, you have to keep moving forward, but not completely at the expense of the past. I don't know how difficult that is to do, uh, but I think you should at least you know take a swing at it. Well, when we interviewed Harry Shearer, he said the first time he got a bit concerned with the, the direction of the show was when, for the very first time, I can't remember, he actually said when it was, but I couldn't remember, but he, he got a script and he went, Ned Flanders wouldn't say this. And when he's now having to tell the writers what a character mm. would and wouldn't say, that's when he went, hang on a minute, something's not right here. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you've, if you've lived with it, yeah, it sort of becomes a bit of a, a bit of muscle memory about what a character will or won't do or, you know, will behave or won't say or that kind of thing, yeah. so And particularly someone like Harry Shearer, who's, you know, 
pretty smart. <laughs> I think he's very smart. <laughs> pretty talented. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, not not to you know not to diss Ian Max and Graham too much because I mean, you know, I think if you get into the writing room of the Simpsons, you're clearly no dummy and not completely uncreative. I think it's I think it would take some sort of nous and ability to get in the door. But uh, yeah, what you do once you're through the door is something else entirely. But see, Ian, he also wrote uh, Burns, Baby Burns, when Mr. Burns' son comes on, Rodney ah, Dangerfield. Okay. Mm. Uh, he, he wrote When Homer Goes to New York. He wrote The Trouble with Trillions, Trash of the Titans, When Homer Becomes the Garbage Man. So he, he wrote some great episodes, but I just feel yeah. the last several ones that he's put out just seem to be differing in the way. In, in, his, his style just seems to be shifting. But anyway. Hey, my favorite. What was your favorite moment from the episode? I will admit, and this is actually before all the tennis stuff happens, but I will admit to getting a cheap, guilty, but nonetheless genuine laugh out of the plate skinning, plate spinning gag at oh, the Elvis Talent funny. Show. <laughs> it's a very dad gag. But, but it's, it's like, the kind of thing that a lot of people think it, but don't actually say it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, ah, oh, okay, fine. And Homer's reaction to it, because yes, that whole, oh, look at oh, that one. Oh, look at that yeah. one. Keep, go back to that one. <laughs> I mean, oh, 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 you got that one before I even said anything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that was probably my yeah, one of my one of my uh, favorite moments from this episode. I really enjoyed Homer ripping his own shorts off. To how embarrassing! <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Marge's reaction when they're when they're on her head. On her head. Ah, yeah. Get him off! Get him off! <laughs> As well as um, when it, when he cracked the shits with March and Bart, and he throws a rock and smashes the window. You know, when, you know, everyone's had that point in their life where they've been annoyed at somebody, somebody that they actually like, but they still take it that one step too far and they instantly regret it. Well, that's mm. Homer in this situation, throwing the rock, smash, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> and I, look, I, I don't know if it was a favourite moment, but it was certainly one that stood out, and maybe not for good reasons. But the whole sort of edible, edible, not edible. Oedipal gag with um, Bart sort of taking over from Homer as, as the man of the house and, and particularly the man for Marge. Kind of like... That was hmm. super weird for me. <laughs> it's like, this is a bit edgy for the Simpsons. It was this weird this, seeing this bit, Marge hitting on Bart. This is a bit edgy Bart. for South Park. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. Okay, before we get into trivia this week, we need to remind... Each and every one of our listeners that this week's podcast is brought to you by our $20 patrons, Jordan, Moleman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zerr, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Belson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole, Catalina Mixer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, and our man Jonathan Rossi. Thank you so much, guys. Also, shout-outs for our new $5 plus patrons, Joanne Vu, Nicole Colin, and Nick Dinsdale. You guys are all absolute champions. If you want to support the show and get access to all of our podcasts a little bit early, including this one a week early, as well as the Guy and Dando show, and much, much more, including the four-figure discount exclusive Facebook group, you're just going to be as little as a $1 plus patron at patreon.com slash four-finger discount. All right, Mr. Davis, it's trivia time. You kick off the proceedings. I will indeed. Okay, then. Um, the, we- the weeping widow option at the, uh, at the uh, cemetery mm-hmm. uh, came with a weeping widow who would uh, wail the name of the, uh, the person buried in the ground. Who was the second, who was the second weeping widow grave? Fuck. I know the first one was Wally, right? Yes. 
But the second one um, was... Wally Wally. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm not going to get it. What is it? It starts with an I. It starts with an I. Oh, it's not Ian. Uh, I don't know. What is it? It's Irving. 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 I couldn't think of any other I names. Irving. <laughs> Irving, yeah. Oh, Irving, Irving, Irving. Okay. <laughs> uh, that, that would be... Uh, it's funny because I actually saw... I think one of our patrons shared it, Seth Seth Weens. He... um. There's actually a guy out there, or I'm sure I'm assuming a lot of people do it, but they will, you know, for money, will go to your funeral and pretend to cry. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so if you're that lonely and you have no family who will be upset at your death, you can pay someone who would go and pretend to cry at your funeral. And but it's like if, there, was if an, you... there was an there, there was an option for like five grand or whatever. We'll jump into hole. <laughs> oh god! I would almost do that just for just for a fucking laugh. <laughs> just have them come out and say I'm a triple threat <laughs> yeah, actually actually have them say yes this was Guy's last prank on you because I mean if you're that hard up to have people at your funeral that you have to pay someone to be there who else is going to be there to be kind of impressed or reevaluate you it would be kind of fun to write a um, like a, a, a like a script of some kind of you explain to everybody everything you don't like about them and then just hire somebody to, to just give that eulogy at your funeral <laughs> guy can't be here today but uh, he's like, <laughs> but he had a few words okay what what's your what's your question for me then my first question is well I won't, I'll skip that one because I've got a couple of backup ones here because you've already uh, my first question was going to be who was the plate spinner but you'll get that one who was the plate Do you know who that Oh, you don't know it? Okay, then it was Jasper. I'm terrible. I'm I'm terrible with the old people's names. Ja- is Jasper's the paddler, right? Jasper's that's a paddler. The, pa- the, the paddler, yeah, the one that got yeah. shot in the leg by Smithers. But who was the one who was hosting? Who's got that very sort of that very? I don't know. You know I don't feel like we've seen him before. Jewish old man voice because I've seen him a bit and I, hey, what? <laughs> I love that one. Well, I love that guy. We've seen, we've, we've seen the Jewish guy, but I don't believe we've seen the guy who was hosting before. I don't think. I, th- I thought that was the Jewish guy. Now the Jewish guy was the one who had the plate spinning, spinning on his tongue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, well, oh, wait, maybe he was. No, no. Oh, sorry. I'm not thinking of the host. I'm thinking of the guy who was doing the stand-up. That's what I'm getting confused with. Yeah, the, ah. host was the, old, the host was the old Jewish guy. You're right. Yeah, I'm thinking of the... Because it started off with the guy doing the stand-up. I don't know who that guy was. Yeah. Nor okay. do I. Nor do I. No. Um, my, uh, well, that was my first question. What's your second? Oh, okay. The name of the weather girl who was uh, Ken Brockman's doubles partner. That was the lovely Stephanie. Stephanie, <laughs> I, did, uh, I like that Bob whole was just bit. Out and about with the weather girl. <laughs> that whole bit though, where he's sort of getting the um, the zingers fed to him by the, uh, the van outside. It's like, oh, what can I say other than I'm a racky? Get out of here. <laughs> but it's very 2001, isn't it? <laughs> Extremely 2001. All right, next question for me, Dando. What was the name of the the town laughing stock? Oh, what's it? Was it Dirtbag Charlie? Dingbat Charlie. Dingbat nearly. Charlie. Oh, no, sorry. I've, I've, I've actually got that Dirt Dirtbag's the town pedophile. What? Because <laughs> I've written down Dingbat Charlie spin-off now. <laughs> we never see Dingbat Charlie ever. Come on, we need an episode, I, guys. Give it yeah, to us. Come on, we need it. All right. Um, the Simpsons are the what of backyard tennis, according to supermarket gossips? Oh, the... I believe it's a basketball team, but I could be wrong. Oh, the LA Clippers. Yeah. Now, yes, are the LA, yes, yes. Are they, are they basketball? I think, or are they hockey? 
they 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 are one hundred percent basketball, and they actually made it through to the um to the playoffs this year. So they actually have improved. But they're like that the, the Lakers won the big dance, but the the Clippers are like the little brother of the Lakers. <laughs> oh, okay then. <laughs> It'd right. be kind of like if um you know Geelong if the Falcons, had a team, and yeah. then and then you know Leopold had a team. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so my final question is: What was the slogan on the banner hanging out the front of the funeral home? Um, sales from the crypt. Well it? done. Yeah, which I got a laugh out of as well. Yeah, very good, very good title. Well, that, that wrap up trivia for this week, does it? I believe so. I believe so. Unless you want me to ask you another question or two, because I've got a few here. Well, well, if you've got one, hit me. Hit me. One, hit me. Give me one more. The best one that you've got is a leftover. Okay then. Um, I'll go with this one then. What is Pete Sampras taping a commercial for later? Uh, it's like I don't, I don't I don't know. It's like it's like OOs something something like that. It sounds like it, a delicious treat. What is you, it? You reversed it. It's ho hos, not ho hos. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> what are ho hos? I I think they're along. The, I was about to say, if you can't afford ding dongs, you get ho hos. No, I, yeah, I think uh, I think it's in the in the same. It might be from the. It might be from Hostess. It might be like. Twinkies. I was going to say it sounds like something like a Twinkie kind of kind of yes. vibe. Yeah. But anyway, that is trivia for Tennis the Menace. We'll be right back after this break with our review of the episode. The original air date of Tennis the Menace was February 11th, 2001, just prior to Valentine's Day. The chalkboard gag is I will not publish the principal's credit report and the couch gag. The living room floor is frozen over. The Simpsons all skate into the couch. When Homer sits down on the side of the couch, falls through the ice and... We assume that he dies. Uh, the episode kicks off with Homer in the shower. I, I didn't go to such a dark place. I just thought, well, he's fallen into the water. He'll be fished out immediately. But, I don't know, according to Dino, he's dead. <laughs> Homer is in the shower. And this is sort of just like, it's, it's always fun when you're a kid doing this to your mum or your dad or your brother or sister in the shower. But I feel like this dragged on a little bit too long. Like, it's sort of like outside his welcome very quickly. It did, yeah. I mean, the whole... Mary had a little lamb thing and then Beethoven's fifth and all that. It's like, eh, one of these, but not both. Um, in fact, you could have just had him playing with the taps and, as a, and not even done the musical thing with it. The only yeah. thing I liked about that is that Santa's little helper was really into it. Santa's that little helper had a big smile. On Did he really? Face. I wasn't paying attention. Okay. Oh, it, seemed, it, seemed, it was sort of like prancing up near the taps and all that. It's like, oh, that's nice. See, see, if I'm running the show at this point, I say, all right, Ian, Remember, we have Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, and the Williams sisters, and you've got Homer singing "Mary Had a Little Lamb in the Shower." Can we can we somehow fix this? <laughs> Having yeah, true, but before we skip to, yeah, I want to skip to the end a little bit before we revert, come back to the beginning. Given the acting performances that um, the Williams sisters, great, Agassi and Sampras were giving, it's like eh, maybe the less time we spent with these guys, the better. I think they gave it, you know. A, they gave it a good serve, so to speak, <laughs> but <laughs> but I think you might. I think you want to leave the gags to the pros. They weren't. Um, they weren't really giving gags, though. Really, were they? They weren't really. I mean, that whole. I think the ho ho's line was probably the best they got, and the personal pizza thing. I say the personal pizza, but even still, like they weren't given zingers by any means. No. So. I don't know how that all played out, but yeah, maybe they thought oh, maybe they sort of did more recording with the tender stars, and uh, it's like yeah, these <laughs> uh, we got a lemon here. Uh, this is always death. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe they had, they had to sort of uh, think on their feet, so to speak, and maybe front load it a bit with more stuff. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. 
Marge says it's time. Well, Todd's about to stop it because we've got to get ready for the old folks talent show. And they go to the talent show. They've got the stand-up. I mean, I... I did get a kick out of the stand-up. It's just yeah, classic old people. <laughs> like, <laughs> can't, can't open cupboards and afraid of everything, things like yeah. that. You know, it's just very, I don't know, it's very simple but funny. True, but um, the response whole, whole, Wholesome humour. Yes. <laughs> he, he's saying the stuff we all forgot. Yeah. <laughs> can he say that? <laughs> yeah. Can he say... I, I always like a can he say that kind of, kind of line. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, Jasper's then spinning all the plants, as you said. I, I'll, I will play Homer's clip because it is very funny. Master, you gotta have time for the other ones. Oh, good. Oh, no. That one's slowing down. Oh, good. Oh, that one's wobbly. Uh, oh, oh, you got that before I even said it. He's just terrified, isn't he? He's like, oh, you gotta oh, get yeah. it. Gotta get it. <laughs> but I think they're kind of anxiety inducing plate spinning acts. I've never seen one live. I don't think I've ever seen one live, but even seeing one on TV is enough to make you go, Rawr. Yeah. Grandpa is then singing What's New Pussycat and in pain at the same time and the old Jewish guy rocks up the host of the show and because grandpa's on stage she just gives him the free auto autopsy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they race to Homer races to the funeral home to make sure they can't get out of it because it's all make sure it's still legit Mm -hmm. now apparently um, I'm not sure was it Ian Maxstone Graham let me have a second someone went to the um, to an actual funeral home to get to make sure that it was all legit Uh, oh that they sort of got prices that would approximate actual coffins and all that kind just, of and just the, or, the, or the to way find that, out about the options available. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just all the options. Yeah, and just the way that the um, that the host of the funeral home was the way he behaved, the way he spoke, and everything. I'm just check the wiki page. I'll make sure I get the right person. Yeah. Because you know, there's a lot of money in <laughs> in death and burial and all that kind of business. I mean, I'm always yeah, astonished really by is. by how much coffins cost and all that. I mean, even a, even a cremation costs a fair bit. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But also, when it comes to things like you know funerals, it's just an, an excess charge that that is put it through the roof. Same with weddings. You can say to a person, "I need to get my hair done, forty bucks." You say to them, the exact same person for the exact same booking, "I was for my wedding," it immediately becomes two hundred dollars. Oh God, that's that's a that's a pop culture style markup. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, just taking the piss. <laughs> Um, I can't find who it was but yes yeah, someone from the show might have even been Ian went to an actual funeral home and just uh, pretended that he had someone who's passed away wanted to get all the wanted to make sure it was all written correctly um, I did get a kick out of the uh, the anti-stink spray all the different names like Country Mourn Mrs. Rockwells <laughs> and Stankoff Stankoff <laughs> but yeah with the, with the kind of money they were throwing about there I mean I think the whole wolves option that they took that they uh, that they alluded to was actually viable and you know it's kind yes. of nat- it's natural as well. I mean, you know, you get sent out to nature, eaten by eaten by a couple of wolves. You know, you you shit out by the wolf, and you you know ashes to ashes, dust to dust, kind of deal. <laughs> Circle of life, man. Nasa Quenya. <laughs> Bart gets um locked in the um in the casket that has picture and picture with the cadaver cam. But then, like you said though, so we'll, we'll skip ahead. I love that bit about the wolves when the guy's like, he's like, funeral, sir, funeral man. Yes, we're going to go with the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before that, though, we're at the graveyard and he's explaining, you know, you've got the self-cleaning tombstones, the weeping widow service, all that kind of thing. And Grandpa really wants it. I've got to kick out of this. So, you know, he says, God prefers people who travel in style. And Grandpa's like, you cheaps get me to hell. I'm going to spook you good. <laughs> <laughs> the whole sort of getting in his face with a, how'd you, how'd you like this? And you're sitting on the john. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Norman <laughs> getting legit terrified. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so yeah, so he tries to sell the seventeen thousand dollar deal, and it's just not going to happen. So we're going with the wolves. Uh, this is also great. So Homer, see, Dad, I love you this much, but this is just under nine hundred dollars. Seventeen thousand dollars. I can't do it. <laughs> it's a very rational explanation by Homer. I mean, you sort of buy it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I do love you and want what's best for you, but come on, man. At the end of the day, though, for everything you were getting for the seventeen grand, it does seem quite cheap. I guess that's American dollars, so probably about twenty five. But still, mm. that's a pretty fancy fucking grave for twenty five grand. <laughs> it is, it is. But as they say on the episode, think of it as as an investment in extravagance. So they give this is what gives Homer the idea for the tennis court because it uses just as much concrete or for, as a, as a slab of a tennis court or something along those lines. And we get the, what you mentioned at the start, the, I bet you didn't see that coming. So this was sort of like Ian's way of, sort yeah. of pointing out, like you said, that um, he, he knows that he's probably dragged this on a little bit too long and it has nothing to do with the episode, but we're moving on swiftly. Yeah, look, um, and the, some, some people could very much view that as a like, oh, that was an interesting swerve that they took. I mean, I thought this, I mean, admittedly, you know, going in that the episode is called Tennis the Menace. So you might be at this stage, nearly the six-minute mark, you'd be going, where's the tennis? I was promised tennis. When are we going to get to the fireworks factory? Yeah, um, that's so, it. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, um, Mike Scully has said that he thought this one probably went a little bit too long with a screw you beginning. And even Ian Maxstone Graham has, has said since that he, he does enjoy these type of openings. They're, they're kind of funny, but you, you know they're probably best avoided. And I would have to agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least, at least He's he learned his lesson. It. Yeah. Yes, yes. And Homer, of course, just before the commercial, is disappointed because he didn't think he was getting a tennis court. He thought he was getting Foxy Boxing. <laughs> oh, God, Foxy Boxing. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you had a story to tell me then. <laughs> I have never actually seen Foxy Boxing live, nor have I seen mud wrestling or anything like that. But the fact that these things were <laughs> so prevalent <laughs> at a certain time in our society, it's like, hmm, Okay, yeah, well, I guess that's where we were at. But, uh, but also, uh, look, I like foxes, as you know, but I've just got a, an appreciation for the name Foxy Boxing. I mean, if you're going to have scantily clad ladies punching one another, I mean, we're not talking about professional female boxers here. We're, we're basically talking about uh, swimsuit models and lingerie models putting on the gloves and, you know, taking swings at one another. Foxy Boxing's a pretty good name for it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm adding myself as a dreadful sexist here. I mean, I do not condone Foxy Boxing in any way, shape or form, other than the name of it. I think the name of it is... The, the, the marketing is genius, yes. Yes. <laughs> we come back, Homer is setting up the net. He sends Santa's little help before I arrive because it's so tight. Marge, you know, she's growing on the idea of having a tennis court. My question is, first of all, how big is their backyard that it can fit a tennis court? <laughs> yeah, a tennis court is a, a sizable you know, um, real estate it's investment. It's one arena, man. <laughs> like, it's huge. How, how, how is he just fitting this on the grass in his backyard? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it just feels like they've got... They're playing fast and loose with the... Um, yeah, with the traditional sort of volume of the Simpsons' backyard. It, it looked like a complete... Well, of course, it looked like a completely different backyard because they had a tennis court in it, but it looked like... Yeah, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the sort of dimensions and and shape of the of the Simpsons' backyard. What happened to the tree? You know, I mean, the, yeah, I know, well, like the, the tree was there, but there. it's like they, they moved the tree to the side to fit the to fit the yeah. tennis court in. My mm. other question is: so the, as the episode goes on, we get more and more of the townspeople, like the, the police force, Burns and Smithers, 
um, Krusty and Sideshow Mello there. Okay, Brockman all wanted to play tennis at the Simpsons tennis court. What the? What you mean? Springfield doesn't have any other tennis court? <laughs> I think there's some degree of poshness and cachet that comes with playing at a private tennis court at someone's home tennis court. You know, you don't have to. I put don't up, know. <laughs> you don't have to put up with the great unwashed who would actually, you know, go to do a couple of sets at you know just down at the at the public courts. You know, I'm pretty is, sure there's a tennis court at the country club that we've seen numerous times with Brockman and Krusty. True, but. Uh, Okay, then. Yeah, look, you, you raise a valid point. But, you know, as Ken Brockman points out, it's not just the court. It's also Marge's hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. Sorry, that was <laughs> that, that was true. not even a that wasn't even a close approximation of a Ken Brockman voice. That was more like a Lionel Hutz voice. I've been, having said that, um, I've been sort of doing a... I've been doing Phil Hartman impersonations around the house all day. The lovely Louise is not here, so, <laughs> so she didn't have to put up with them. For any reason at all, it just felt no, like... No, just it. because it's, 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 it's fun to talk like Phil Hartman, even if you Aye. do it badly like I do. Give us, give us your best half. Oh, I've forgotten what I was saying. It may not have been like a, even like a Lionel Hutz line or something. It was like, hmm, think I'll have a Scotch finger biscuit with today's coffee. You know, something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hmm, do I Vegemite or jam on that toast? <laughs> something Are you just saying it out loud by yourself? I, I was just it. saying it out loud because it was, it, <laughs> it was fun to hear and it was fun to feel it on my vocal cords. So, yeah, uh, an insight into the sad life of Guy. <laughs> so, what did you do? What did you do during isolation? I uh, practiced my Hartman whilst making breakfast. <laughs> Orange juice. That, that'll be great. Have some of that. <laughs> You're just going to spend the whole podcast doing it now, aren't you? Of course, I am, Dando. <laughs> Please feel free to rate my Phil Hartman out of ten. <laughs> Lots of zeros. <laughs> Just donuts, double donuts. <laughs> so Lenny and Carl are playing against Marge and Homer. And I just, but, but basically, this is just them running through various people from Springfield and getting beaten by them because Homer's just acting like a, a buffoon. So Lenny is. and Carl beat them. Uh, Brockman and Stephanie, the weather girl, beat them. We get the earpiece gag that you mentioned before about the I'm Iraqi. Mm-hmm. Uh, then where the family's over the breakfast table. And uh, we get this little random conversation about the school banning hats, which just goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's know, like, it, just like, it just felt like you guys are really stretching to sort of, you know, fill bits that aren't on the tennis court. And even bits on the tennis court feels like the, uh, you're kind of stretching a bit. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of stuff here that just felt like it just did not need to be there. But maybe it mm. did because otherwise there was nothing. Well, there was nothing else to put there. Like you said, they had to try and stretch it out. But... Mm. So the, I think there was a knock at the door here. Yeah, it's where the police force arrive. And um, then Burns and Smithers arrive. We've got the human chessboard. Mo and Barney then beat, uh, beat Marge and Homer. We've got the surf and the net. And this is where Marge really starts to get annoyed. She wants to you know, win one eventually. And Mo tries to give uh, Homer an easy one, lobs it up in the air. He's got it in the bag and bang, in the crutch. Did you wince at one in the bag? Because I definitely winced at one in the bag. Yeah, I think it's impossible not to wince at a bag when you see. Oh, wince at a bag. Wince at uh, seeing somebody get hit in the ball bag. I should say. When, like when anyone's any male's been kicked in the crutch on television, it's just like oh, across the legs. You True. can feel their pain immediately, can't you? I imagine it's not pleasant for ladies to see that either. I mean, I, I you know, there's always talk about, you know, uh, dudes being kicked in the balls or whatever. Oh, the most painful thing ever. I imagine that a, a, for a lady getting kinked in the swimsuit area, it's probably no day at the day at the park either. 
So we're at the grocery store. Now, we have an exterior shot of the grocery store. And this is the first time that I can recall seeing it being updated. So for a, as long as I can remember, they've always used the one from like season one or two where you're seeing, you see a trolley just race out of the car park. That's sort of like the, the quick exterior shot when they're at the grocery store. But this one had a car driving out. It's been updated. I've never seen it before. Um, anyway, that's just something I noticed. <laughs> uh, so Marge, Marge, this is where Marge overhears everybody just ragging on the Simpsons. Hey, Chief, we're going to bust up that crack house tonight. We did that last night. Yeah, but this time we got the right address. Uh, you coming? Well, I'd love to, Lou, but uh, I'm playing tennis at the Simpsons again. Oh, Maggie, are your ears burning? The Simpsons? You mean the L.A. Clippers of backyard tennis? <laughs> yeah, they're easier to beat than a suspect in shackles. Pretty easy to beat a suspect in shackles, Chief. Well, that's the joke, Lou. It's on the Simpsons and their easy beatability. ability. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> I think they enjoy being humiliated. I don't know what's sadder about the Simpsons, the fact that we mock them or that they shall never know. <gasps> never, ever, ever. Ever. <gasps> it would be kind of hard to hear that, especially for Marge as well, because she I feel like she takes other people's opinions very, very strongly. You know what I, I mean? think she does. Look, I think, <laughs> I'm not sure how happy Marge is with her life in general, but I think, yeah, Marge does aspire to something a little bit more. You know, she not quite high society, although, you know, I think she enjoys it when she does get to sort of dabble in that. Um, but, yeah, I think she'd like to be a bit better regarded a bit more fondly and a bit more respectfully by the people of, uh, of Springfield, especially, yes, the more sort of upmarket uh, members of, uh, of Springfield society. Uh, so we're in bed here, and Marge is annoyed with Homer. I've got here Homer testing goodies. What the hell is that about? What was that? What was he doing? Homer testing goodies is what I've got written in my notes. Is this like an autocorrect fuck up? <laughs> what was Homer doing in bed? <laughs> I have to go on Freaky. I can see what was Homer doing in bed with Marge here. I've got Homer testing goodies. That makes no sense. <laughs> I, I didn't write that bit down, what he was doing there. I mean, uh, I mean, this is where we see Dingbat Charlie, I think. But uh, uh, no, I don't recall what he was doing in bed. Oh, let's, let's have a look, shall we? Let's get the episode up. Oh, no. not It is an autocorrect. He's testing for cooties. Oh. <laughs> it's it's the, the little cooties test that he used to do at school. Yes, that's that's what it was. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, testing goodies? goodies. What the hell? <laughs> that could go any number of ways. So, Marge, um, just please to Homer, can you please just start trying? I want to win at least one game. It cuts to them outside. And they're practicing with the auto ball thing. What are those things called? The ones that shoot the balls out automatically. Oh, I'm sure they have an actual name, but uh, auto server or um... yeah, something like that. It reminds me of the the baseball one that you see in Happy Gilmore, where you, know, you yeah. stand in front of it. Yeah, that kind of thing. We don't really have any of those in Australia, do we? Because I mean, baseball's a sport, but we don't necessarily. It's not a big sport, is it? Mm, no, no. Well, oh, I'd, I'd say it is, but baseball in Australia. Oh, well, really? oh no, in Australia, no. No, but as I was saying, in Australia, I don't feel like we have those. I've never seen one of those machines. I feel like I don't think baseball is big enough for it to be. Dude, baseball. I'm not saying baseball is not big as a sport in the world. I'm saying in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's sort of it's on the grow a bit, and I'm pretty sure you could find one of those pitching machines somewhere around. Yeah, probably. I feel like the AFL though just has a stranglehold on the country where as soon as another sport comes in, they just pay some money to the table. It's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> noop, noop, noop. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so anyway, so Homer's fucked that up. So he, he explodes the machine and Dr. Hibbert's doing some operation outside and 
one of the tennis balls lands in the patient. Now, the sound effect of the ball hitting the patient was very disgusting in my headphones, uh, but he declares the person dead at 10.15. Uh, so now Homer, as a way to try and uh, make them better, has entered them into a doubles tournament. Marge is disappointed with this because they haven't improved at all. And this is where we get the Homer ripping his shorts. Okay, get ready for the serve. Get him off! Get him off! How embarrassing. You take over, Bart. Lisa! Lisa, fear me! Oh, so Marge is now practicing with Bart whilst Homer goes inside to um to sort his shorts out and whatever. And mm-hmm. no, she says, don't worry about coming back out, Homer. Bart's doing fine. You know, he's really good. They sort of planted this seed earlier when they had Bart and Lisa hitting the ball back and forth to each other. Yeah. Homer's completely oblivious to the fact that Bart's going to take his position. And he, as a viewer, you know exactly that's where it's going because Bart's actually good and Homer's terrible. So Homer says he's going to go inside to uh, to lay out some clothes and whatever. I love the, Lisa, beer me. <laughs> <laughs> Walks downstairs in his uniform and I kind of felt bad for Homer here because... I mean, I I know he wasn't taking the tennis seriously, but he was still just having a good time. And obviously, Marge wanted to take it a bit more seriously. She wanted to win. So, so the competitive nature came out in her. Like, Homer was genuinely excited to go do this doubles tournament with Marge. And he just gets fucked over. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit complicated, actually, because, yeah, I mean, you sort of, on one hand, you kind of want to... Uh, you do want to give Homer a little sort of rap on the knuckles and say... You might want to take it a little more seriously, dude. You know, I mean, if only for your wife's sake. But, you know, as you said, he's genuinely excited and seems to enjoy, you know, just the the social experience of tennis. Uh, Well, yeah, whereas Marge is kind of like, I can see her point in a lot of ways, but she is taking this maybe a bit more seriously than she should. And, you know, and for what reasons? I mean, is she... It's just backyard tennis. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, it's tennis. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like when you go and play golf with a group of friends and there's always one person in the group who takes it more seriously than they need to. They get angry and then they throw their club and they won't talk to you after they miss a partner. It's like, who cares? It's just golf. So it's not you, Dan. You're not the one who does that. No, it's definitely not me. I rock up in the thongs and like a tank top. I don't care. It's just golf. Where (laughs) Good on you, happy Gilmore. I remember once I went and played golf with Mitch and I rocked up in just standard normal clothes and Mitch rocks up. He's got the visor, he's got the glasses, he's got the gloves, he's got the old kick caboodle. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, anyway, That's hilarious. Good old bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, this is where we get the reveal, or Marge reveals to Homer that he has been replaced by Bart. Hey there, son. Oh, hi, Dad. <laughs> With that little outfit on, everyone's going to think you're playing in the tournament. I am playing in the tournament. <laughs> it's going to be tough without a partner. I've got a partner. Well, good for you. Anyone I know? Yeah, you know her. Oh, hello, Homer. Good morning, partner. Mm, there's something I should tell you. The name of Bart's partner, I'm all ears. Well, actually, the name of Bart's partner is... Um, yes, darling? I'm Bart's partner. No, 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 no. You're my partner. Dude, I think the lady's made her decision. I'm sorry, homie. We'll talk about it later, okay? No! (laughs) Raiders! Uh Uh-oh. I don't think they saw me. So we come back. 
and Marge and Bart are happy because they won the tournament, obviously, and they're on the same wavelength because they're both thinking about putting the trophy on the mantle. They walk in, and Homer is turning his racket into a weapon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a little okay. bit scary, that, uh, that, that sort of reveal. It's like, oh, good Lord. So he says to Marge, don't touch me. Your hands feel like salad tongs. And she says, don't worry, this isn't a threat to your manhood. Homer wasn't thinking of it like that, but now he is. Bart mentions they've been asked to take part in the Krusty Charity Classic to uh, help raise funds for balcony collapse. And Homer says he doesn't care, he runs away. He gets, he has like a little therapy session with Lisa. Yes, Homer's, Homer's only thinking about M.E. My enjoyment. My enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Uh, yeah, so we got the, um, the therapy with Lisa. She says, you're threatened by Bart. Uh, so this is Homer just being very childish, but the goodbye, bad bye. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole thing was... Yes, very silly, but I, I was find myself laughing at it nonetheless. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. This is where he has the uh, the very... It's just fucking super weird to watch the dream of Bart and Marge as a couple. <laughs> no, no, stay away from my wife, Bart. Darling... You're so much handsomer than my first husband. I may have the looks, but he's the trophy husband. (laughs) He thought that trip to the guillotine factory was just for fun, but it was the perfect place to shoot him. (laughs) That's the guy. That's the guy from my dream. Homer wakes up, sees a picture of Bart. That's the guy. The guy from my dream. (laughs) And he plans to, uh, to take him on. So then we get Homer and Lisa practicing. He's replaced... Marge with Lisa, tells her to aim for her mother's heart. And Lisa's like, I don't want to do this. Then Bart and Marge came out. And like, I'm going to be honest, if we really reflect on this, Marge is the villain of this episode. I think Marge took her eye off the ball, so to speak. Yeah, Yeah, Marge took it too seriously, caused friction as a result, dumped Homer, replaced her with Bart, caused friction in the family as a result. Marge is the villain. (laughs) Yes, and all just to, you know... Win the uh, fleeting appreciation of a bunch of, uh, you know, snobs and gossips. Yes. Poor form, Marge. Yeah, very, very poor form. So we get a few insults here. Like Lisa says her back, Marge's backhand's like a rusty gate and blah, blah, blah. They're then over dinner. They're trying to psych each other out. We then get to the Krusty Charity Classic. I did like that the uh, the word charity was spelt with a K as well. Yes. Oh, oh, oh dear. (laughs) KKK. That's never good. I mean, I don't like KKK. I just thought it was just a funny gag. Oh, no. It's a, oh, it's a, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get the ball boys all hitting their heads, trying to get the balls. Uh, this next bit, I was like, it's just stupid. I hate when they do this kind of stuff. Burns' novelty hand is actually his hand full of fluid. Oh, yeah. like, what is the point why, why of do you, doing Why do you that? dislike that so much? It's just because it's so absurd. It's just, it's not realistic. It's like when they... Have burns do things that no human body could actually do. I just I, I don't well, know. true, I but like- I mean, do you do you not get a kick out of that bit in Last Temptation at Home, where it's like, I am sick of all these jokes about my giant hand. The first incident was <laughs> such and such. That's a, uh, that is hilarious. That is that is hilarious. But that <laughs> I see. I see that right as yeah. like, I mean, it's unrealistic. But you know, radioactive is deformed. Something's happened. Whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is Mr. Burns just been sitting there and there's fluid collected in his hand and it's become like a giant novelty hand. I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't see it as different, but I just do. It just seems silly to me. Well, whatever yeah, whatever uh, floats your boat or, or capsizes your boat, mate. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> capsizes. It's completely capsized. Um, I've hit the iceberg. So Krusty is um, doing some 
some shitty stand up because he's not doing the A material for charity. <laughs> yeah, the- I love that. <laughs> uh, charity doesn't get A material. <laughs> uh, the family are then all threatening each other. I'm just like, is there any? Is there not any other players in this town? Like, why is it just the Simpsons that are suddenly like the stars yeah. of the tennis tournaments and everything? Anyway, Krusty introduces uh, that. Oh, he says that Venus and Serena Williams are in the crowd. That's when Homer gets the idea to replace Lisa with Venus because he hears Krusty say something like "best players in the world" or something mm. like that. Uh, he takes Venus because she seems less offended by the fact that she's uh, dumping his daughter. I like this too. So when he says to Lisa. Um, Lisa's like, I'm, you're replacing me? Oh, Lisa, dumping such a harsh word. I'm replacing you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Marge is very annoyed that she's getting beaten now because um, Homer has got a professional playing with him. So I, I also didn't get that. So Krusty just introduced Venus Williams, right? <laughs> and then she's introduced as Venus Simpson, t- like 30 seconds later. Yeah, true. He just said Venus Williams. <laughs> and now she's I think, Crust- Venus I think Crusty's got such contempt for the everyday people of Springfield that he's like, yeah, they're not going to notice. <laughs> As does the writing staff, apparently. Ah. So, <laughs> Wiggum has dropped his cookie. He pulls a gun on the other uh, ball boy who's about to take it. So, Marge says she's going to take Serena instead and get the personal pizza and all that. Marge is then replaced by Pete Sampras and Homer's then replaced by Andre Agassi, <laughs> the wrestler. <laughs> And then, uh, and then that's it. So the professionals are now playing against each other. The family, for some reason, are now not mad anymore. <laughs> it's just, they're just, <laughs> we could, we could think of a reason to make the family happy and you know be friends once again. So they're just going to be happy. Well, <laughs> so, but they do sum it up with a line that uh, is one of my personal philosophies: it's better to watch stuff than to do stuff. It's one of the best philosophies in the world, isn't it? <laughs> oh God, yeah. I was, I think I was talking about this on Facebook or Twitter with someone the other day about you know. Yeah, you know, video games versus movies, and I'm like, oh no, fuck off, interactivity, passivity. I'm just passive. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I've never played Uncharted. I'm just waiting for the movie of Uncharted to come out, and then give your thoughts on the video game based off the movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's much better to ridicule people who are doing something than actually do something yourself. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. So Homer steals money from Pete Sampras's wallet, and that is the end of the episode. Really, there's. That, that guest star, like the, the episode could have gone even without having the guest stars. It's just, it's not pointless because I guess they sort of played somewhat into the ending, but yeah. they didn't really have much airtime at all. No, it. but like I said at the start, this honestly felt like, hey, we've got the Williams sisters and Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi. They all, you know, we, we met them at some Fox television event or whatever. And, you know, Venus said, hey, I love the Simpsons. So um, next thing you know, they've roped a few tennis people in. Get to work on a tennis episode, Ian. Okay. I like tennis about as much as I like The Simpsons. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ian Maxone Graham. That's probably a, a terrible, a terrible representation of you. But, oh, uh, but honestly, I think that's how it worked. I really do. Fun fact about Ian Maxone Graham. You know the really tall man on The Simpsons? The guy that's in a small car. Oh, yeah. He's got really long legs. He's based on Ian because ah. Ian's very tall. He's like six foot eight or something. Yeah. Oh, good golly. Well, there you go. Yes. And you can just imagine this episode, getting back to the episode, that uh, the all the advertisements would have been about having you know the, the these tennis stars on the episode. Yeah. And you feel like when they, when they finished watching it, the viewers would have gone, well, you just showed us the entire like guest appearance in the commercial. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be terribly cynical about this, but I think we should maybe 
do a little bit of research, by which I mean you do a little bit of research, um, Dano, and find out, A, if the US Open was on around this time, and okay. B... Well, well no, no, is the US Open on in February? It's aired in February. I'm not sure when it, when it is. All right, US Open 2001. You continue, I'll look it up. Yeah. And if Fox in the US actually had, like, the broadcast rights to or something along those lines. The, the US Open was August 27th to September 9th in 2001. Okay. Wimbledon? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it, was, and it was won by Australia's own Leighton Hewitt that year. Oh, Leighton. Good on him. <laughs> His moment in the sun. Um, it, but it, it, sort of, it sort of reeks of tie-in. It did, yeah, because it just it felt like, as you were saying, it just felt like we didn't have a reason for these tennis stars to be here, so we're just going to shoehorn them in at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Now this, and I don't want to sound like I'm dissing, you know, the Williams sisters or Andre or, or Peter or anything like that. All very good at what they do. I mean, Jesus Christ, I'm a, I'm a but, terrible. But, very, very, yeah, quite good. <laughs> <laughs> They're not bad. They, they do all right. <laughs> but you know, in terms of like uh, guest stars on The Simpsons. It's not exactly Edward Norton or Michael Keaton. No, you, you sort of, and it's funny because I remember this episode as the one that had those stars in it, and I'm watching it and I'm like, when did they come on? <laughs> like, as you said, I'm, when do we get to the fireworks factory? And the answer is, yeah, last few minutes of the episode. When do we get to the personal pizza? Exactly. <laughs> what did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from the episode, Mister Davis? Um, well, to echo that line that I just repeated a, a few minutes back, it's better to watch stuff than to do stuff. Uh, but having said that, I don't know, maybe it's better to go out and play tennis and watch this episode. <laughs> what did you learn? I learned to always wear a bulletproof vest when I'm at the guillotine factory. <laughs> and also maybe not to get one in the bag. From this day forward, your names will be... It's the new name segment here on Four Figure Discount for Tennis the Menace. It is the Guy Davis New Name Championship. The current leaderboard stands as this. In first position, we have D.L. Gorman on 12 points. In second position, we have Alistair Danik on nine. And in third position, Josh Hedge. All right, Mr. Davis, kick us off. What have we got? Well, once again, Dando, I, um, I am amazed and awestruck by the creativity and uh, output of our uh, our Facebook friends, our uh, our patrons, our listeners out there. Um, a few honourable mentions before we get to gold, silver, and bronze. I must I must say I must say before you do, it is very impressive how crazy it's gone now. I mean, you put up that post a couple of days ago. Oh, and by the way, also, I'm leaving the new name the mailbag post to you because the posts you put up were absolutely hilarious. So <laughs> from now on, it is now your job to post in the Patreon group asking for the new names and for the for the mailbag questions. Oh. Um, I got a, I got a big kick out of what you did, but the um the thing is, you, you had it up for a couple of hours max. You already had like ninety. Um, uh, suggestions, ninety comments of new names. I thought this thing is crazy now. <laughs> we we are just shy of a hundred new titles for this uh, for this episode. Tennis the menace, yeah, industrious, awe inspiring stuff from the uh, from the four figure discount patrons on Facebook. Your legends, each and every one of you, but some of you are more legendary than others. Let's find out who they are. Uh, a couple of honourable mentions, as I said, before we get to un de trois of it. Neil Parks gave us hot shots. Uh, exclamation mark, part deuce. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, if we like our Hot Shots movies, and particularly Hot Shots part deux, that's a pretty good one. Um, I also like what uh, um, Alistair Danik brought to the table, given our discussion of the show and how, I don't know if you thought this, Dan, but I certainly thought that, um, you know, the Williams sisters and Pete and Andre weren't exactly bringing their A game 
to the to the guest spots. Uh, so Alistair Danik uh, may have felt similar because his title was the fault in our guest stars. <laughs> <laughs> I still I still will say though that the dialogue they were given wasn't much to work with. So I mean they they weren't funny. But I don't think they were really given any chance to be funny. I think they were working with fairly uh, shoddy tools, shall we say, or poor material. Uh, Okay, but let's get to uh, three, two, one. And one point goes to Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer. Catalina. Mm, Oh, Catalina with 30 Love, actually. Oh, pretty good. See, Nicola, Nicola is obsessed with that movie Love, actually. I just, I don't know. I'm a very take-it-or-leave-it kind of person when it comes to that film. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, when it comes to your Richard uh, Curtis rom-coms, I'm more a Four Weddings and a Funeral guy myself. Mm. Yeah, but some people, you know, well, a lot of people are very into the love, actually, particularly around Christmas time. But, but yeah. yeah, they love uh, Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister, I think. I think so, yeah. I mean, look, it's fine. It's not necessarily my bag, but uh, Nicola loves it. Uh, Nicole Catalina, wine mixer, clearly has some feelings about it because she uh, turned it into a new title for Tennis the Menace. Two points go to Josh Hedge. Ooh, Josh Hedge now eagle second on nine points. What has he got for us? He's got game, set, march. Oh, well played, sir. I like it. Mm. Like as we mentioned, Marge, the supervillain of this episode. <laughs> Indeed, yes, the, the, the big bad of this episode. <laughs> ah, but the gold, the three points mm. go to Alistair Danner. Oh, he got another one mention and he got the top prize. Wow. He wee. did, yeah. Boy, I, I pulled a boy. bit of a swifty on you guys, thinking that you wouldn't hear from <laughs> Alistair again. But no, he's back. And he's back with three points for the social net work. Oh, I saw that and I thought that better win because that was a bloody good title. It is. And I mean, it ties into the themes of the episode and it also ties into the tennis. I I think it works a treat. I think Alistair has come through with the goods and I think he deserves three points this time around. I mean, Tennis the Menace is a good name. It fits the episode, but the social network, I mean, if this if this episode was made now, I think the social network is a much better title. It's really it good. It is true. Now, so, I'm sure there are going to be listeners out there who will, you know, go back through the archives and say... Now, Guy, you know, I thought you had certain rules about, you know, the movie or whatever it had to be, the new title had to be referencing, had to be out at the same time as this episode. Um, I don't recall ever saying that. And if it's on the record, well, eh, I don't know. Stick it for the record. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Bang, I'll allow it. Uh, But, yeah, The Social Network by Alistair Danik is the three-point winner this time around. Alrighty, so that leaves the current leaderboard standing as this. In third position, Garode Harrowhill on six points, but he also has several people right up his clacker. Is that an Australian Ooh. word, up your clacker? clacker? It's, uh, it's very Australian. I don't yes. think you can get more Australian than up the clacker. <laughs> uh, five points on uh, James Proctor, uh, Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer, and uh, Dave Abbott-Smith are all on five points, so they're all on fourth. But in second position, we have Josh Hedge on nine, and in first position, we have a tie now, D.L. Gorman and Alistair Danik, 12 points each. Boy, oh boy, it's an exciting leaderboard at the moment. Oh, my God, the anticipation and the thrills and the excitement. They're all just killing me. I hope it lasts. 
Don't forget, guys, if you want to be part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship, you just got to be a four-figure discount patron for as little as $1 per month. That's right. For as little as $1 per month, you get access into the four-figure discount exclusive Facebook group where you can be a part of the New Name Championship. But you also get a bunch of exclusive podcasts for that level as well. But, you know, we love each and every one of you listeners. So if you can't afford to be a patron, you can also contribute by being a follower on Twitter at FourFingerPod or on Instagram at discount as well. And some of my favorites that have come through this week on Twitter, who have we got here? So from at Andrew NLSC says Homer's Agassi, <laughs> play on Homer's Odyssey there. Also the title of the book that Mitch and I wrote, available in all good bookstores, a very good stocking stuffer for Christmas. So Homer's Agassi, uh, at Shinpan Salter, he says Doble Fault, so Doble to the double, Fault, very well played, sir. At J Rafferty 43 fantastic Mr. Foxy Boxing, <laughs> pretty good. And finally, from at that Phil Bushell, he says, Wimble Doe. So, well played from all of our Twitter followers. Like I said, follow us on Twitter, at FourFingerPod. Haven't got any on Instagram this week. Apologies, guys. I thought I posted there, but then I didn't. But don't forget to follow us at FourFingerDiscount on Instagram as well. And we'll have some new names from you guys next week. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! Okay, Mr. Davis, we had a few questions come through this week. And to be honest, I am a big fan of all of them. I'm just going to read through a few of them. Um, so, who have we got here? Andrew Swan says... What sport would you most like to be able to play freely in your very own home? For me, I've always said I would love my own temping bowling alley. I love bowling. I too am very partial to bowling. I don't do it as often uh, perhaps as, I was, as I'd like. But every time I go, I'm always like, I should bowl more. Bowling is yeah. fun. It's just Having a great, that, it's a great I, way to socialize with people because everyone's sort of everyone's there to have a good time. And I know there's always a couple of people. It's funny because you go there and... You go there just to have like, to sort of just fuck around, and then you might get a couple of strikes. You're like, "All right, now it's time to get serious." As soon as, <laughs> as, 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 soon, as, as soon as someone starts getting strikes, that's when everyone gets their game face on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to combine it with uh, with beer, some form of alcohol, but preferably beer, just to keep the mood a little light, more lighthearted. Although, having said that, there's probably going to be. Um, you know, someone who has one too many beers, and that really spurs their competitive edge on. You're right, though. I mean, it's such a Look, I think any sport is kind of ridiculous if you step away from it and, you know, you look at it from a far enough distance. And, like, yeah, you look at basketball and it's like, wow, this just seems odd, you know. But, you know, you get a, you start witnessing a really good game. You start seeing LeBron or Michael Jordan or whatever. It's like, oh, no, it's art. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Likewise with cricket, likewise with swimming, likewise with anything. But, you know, and bowling is a bit that way as well. I mean, one of the things I like most about the movie The Big Lebowski is. You know I instantly thought of that as well, yeah. Yeah, the opening credits, how they show all these bowlers sort of bowling, and, you know, they're people in various shapes and sizes, shall we say, but it's filmed with such sort of respect for for these bowlers, and, you know, they've got a bit of grace about them and a bit of sort of, you know, poetry to their moves, and uh, I think the movie really sort of shows that, you know, so I think a bowling alley for my house as well. I mean, it wouldn't fit in my current house, certainly not. But I think a bowling alley would be great to have in your house. Um, if I was going to keep my ambitions a little more uh, within distance. Yeah, realistic, <laughs> shall we say. I, I, I think a pool table. Growing up, my, uh, yeah. my friend JP had a pool table at his house. And um, a really good billiard-sized pool table and a, and a beautiful pool room. I mean, it was very sort of um, – it was quite classy, quite elegant. And we used to, you know, go over there and shoot pool all the time. And, um, you know, I was very careful with it because, you know, didn't want to sort of rip the green felt or anything like that. But ever since then, uh, yeah, ever since I was a kid, it was like, 
pool room would be a good addition to a house. And my 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 grandfather actually ran a pool hall and in the uh, town of Clunes outside of Ballarat. So it's. Uh, I thought you were going to say it was the Golden Triangle in town because I fucking love that place. When it oh, was yeah. <laughs> the Golden Triangle. That place was awesome. I mean, it had a bad reputation. It was a bit scary. I know, but every time well, I went there, I had a great time. That's the thing. I mean, I'd go up there and play the pennies or play or play video games or whatever, and never felt. And I was a you know, fourteen year old weenus. I mean, I was I was you know the squeaky voice kid from the Simpsons. Like, uh, have you got Galaga? <laughs> That's the one I like the best. <laughs> have you guys got Berserk? You know, and um, <laughs> you know the rough old lady behind the counter with a with a dirty mouth. It's over there, love. So, <laughs> I never I never felt. Uh, in danger going to the Golden Triangle, even though it had this reputation as a, you know, that's where you buy drugs, right? <laughs> Something along those lines. Yeah, but uh, I think a pool table would be a, a great addition to a, a great addition to a house. Well, we've always had a pool table in our family. I say always. I reckon from the age of when we moved into my new place or my parents' new place when I was about ten or eleven, one of the first things my dad bought was a um was a pool table. And then once I moved into my own home, I was like, well, I need a pool table because I love having a pool table in the house. Absolutely. I sold, I sold the pool table earlier this year before there was a pandemic. <gasps> and then I never got locked in the house. And I was like, I really I wish I still had that pool table. But you're Ba-bow. right there when, when you say though that the it's important for a pool table because ours was just in the in the garage or the garage. I I think it's very important that the pool table goes into a pool room because it just adds to the aesthetic of everything. When you're playing in a nice sort of like old-fashioned looking room with, you know, some whiskey behind a glass cabinet door and things like that. That's a pool room to me and it makes you feel like oh, you're yeah. playing in a proper pool hall. Yeah. The first time I ever tasted whiskey was in JP's pool room. Of course it was, yep. <laughs> I, was, I was about 11 years old. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I was like, grown-ups drink this? This is shit. <laughs> uh, Kenny Gad says, have you ever had to dump your partner to improve your performance? Of course. How do you think this show's still going? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, it's the one reason the lovely Louise and I are not living together. Like, uh, are you going off to talk about the Simpsons again? Forget it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I've ever had to sort of um, sideline a partner for a uh, you know to uh, improve my own uh, my improve my own game or anything like that. No, I, no. Know, I, 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 I feel I'd feel too guilty. <laughs> oh yeah, look till you know it's. To honour, to obey, and to sort of you know keep them on your team. I think that's part of the part of the vows. The closest thing for me would have been in uni when I was teamed up with some person, uh, a, a girl, to do an assignment together that I didn't really know, and she was just fucking hopeless. So I was like, "Look, I'll just do it all, okay?" Because I'm like, "If I cool. do it, it'll get done right." <laughs> she, I mean, she didn't <laughs> care. She didn't have to do any work, but she and she still got the credit for it. But that's the closest thing I've had to where I've gone. You step aside and let me fix this. <laughs> oh. it's, it's much the same philosophy with this podcast. Yeah, well, I, well, I am the dead weight. Oh, what the, what the fuck? No, you're not. <laughs> Here we go. This one's for you. Harrison McClure. I don't know why this one's for you, but I've just decided it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. What's one athlete you'd love to have a game with and one you'd love to have dinner with? Well, I, when I saw that question, I was assuming that you know you'd be that doing the Harris, same thing. With, sorry, 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 that was from Harrison McClure and Noah Daniel. Asked the second part. Continue. Yes, sorry. indeed. Now I, I sort of folded that question to one. I assumed that you know it would be the same person that you would uh, you know do some sport with mm-hmm. and then you know enjoy a nice meal with. And for mine, I think it would have to be a golfer. Right? I thought I the mean, exact same thing: a golfer and go have a pub meal afterwards. Yeah, you just you know you have a leisurely 
nine or even 18 holes, you have a good sort of stroll and conversation, you know, you're not exerting yourself too much. And um, I think if you're with a pretty good golfer, um, you're not, you're, you're going to be self-aware enough that you're not going to be competitive. You know, I think with any other sport, with, you know, with tennis or with well, just about anything else, I mean, I think you're going to want to really sort of go up against the person, whereas with golf, I think you can sort of play your own game, watch the other person take it in and, um, you know, get a few tips along the way. And, you know, when you've finished your nice stroll and hit a few balls around the, cor- uh, the, the course, pour yourself a nice drink, uh, grill yourself up a nice steak and, yeah, ruminate on what on the day that you just had. I think it's got to be golf, man, I really do. And which golfer that is, I'm not 100% sure. Or it could just be a, another professional athlete who you know is good at golf. Because a lot of athletes, particularly you know, like AFL footballers, a lot of athletes play golf. I think it's their way of sort of getting away from people watching them, you know, getting away from the public, just going out, like you said, leisurely walk. It's a very relaxing sport if you're willing to not take it too seriously. There is that, yes. Otherwise, yeah. you are you are like Michael Jordan and you're betting like $100,000 <laughs> on, uh, on, a, on a game. And getting sucked down holes and, and joining the Looney Tunes to play the Monstars. Indeed, but wait. Which, which athlete do you think you would like? Just, just, just Tiger Woods. Because Tiger Woods, he would have some stories. <laughs> I, I, yes, certainly not safe for work stories. I imagine. No. Um, I think I'd probably want some old school golfer. Yeah, you know, like like Jack Nicklaus or Arnold Palmer. I, I mean, I think Jack Nicklaus is still alive. I don't know about Arnold Palmer, or maybe John Daly. Apparently, that guy's like a real party animal. Um, what about t- look, Dorf? I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure Tiger Dorf. <laughs> <laughs> But the other thing is golf. Uh, I don't know. I mean, golfers also appear kind of chill, you know. Yeah. And that's the kind of person I'd want to spend the spend the afternoon with. We should go out and have a hit of golf one day because I don't take it I'm, seriously. Yeah, nor do I. So yeah, it, it could be fun stuff. Let's let's yeah. uh, let's do that one of these days. All right, let's pick. Uh, let's pick one more question, shall we? We'll we, wrap this. How up. about how about the the question from Nicole Catalina Wine? I was about to say this should have been the question for you. <laughs> so Nicole Catalina yeah. Wine says your favorite sports films. Now we're not just asking me here. I mean, what are some of your what what springs to mind for you when when with this Legitimately question? my favorites. I mean, favorites from when I was a kid compared to favorites now. So favorites when I was a kid, I really enjoyed um, uh, Space Jam, Happy Gilmore. Um, uh, there was a movie called The Little Giant, starring Rick Moranis. Yep, and and, uh, uh, and Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill, yeah, which I loved that movie as a kid. I was a huge fan of a baseball film called The Sandlot Kids. Everybody um, loves the Sandlot Kids. I mean, yes. I, I, a lot of Americans really love the Sandlot Kids, and That's I think. A, but but I was surprised to discover it's got a bit of a cult following in Australia as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's one of those films that where I feel like not many of my friends knew about it. When I I just I sort of come across it at the at the video store one day and took it home, and then I just idolized that film. And all my friends were just like, "Yeah, I don't really know what that film is." And I think it was very like a commercial success in Australia. But I think, yeah, since then, it's just, it's obviously been on Netflix or whatever and people have just mm. sort of gone, oh yeah, that movie, I never really watched it. I watched it recently and I really enjoyed it. It's got a great soundtrack. It's got James Earl Jones in it. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic sort of like coming of age film set in like, I think it's set in like the 60s or the 50s. From what I can um, remember, I, I'm not sure if I've ever actually seen it. I know a lot about it just by sort of virtue of Oh, it's, um, it's really. I think fun. when I was at work and you talk about it, I'm like, shut up about the Sandlot, Dano. No, <laughs> well, no it's, that it's, wasn't the case. But uh, it's really, it's really fun. It's a really fun film. It's re- a great film to sit down and watch with your kids for sure. Nice one. Oh, also one more for me. So this is this was the sports film for me when I was a child. It was the Mighty Ducks trilogy. Oh, of course, Mighty Ducks. 
Oh, Coach Bombay. Oh, Coach, Coach Bombay, yes. Um, but um, <laughs> what, what, what am I a bit older, though? The ones I enjoy a lot more now. Have you seen The Legend of Bag of Ants? I have seen Legend of Bag of Ants. I've, I haven't seen it in years, but I remember seeing it at the movies. And uh, yeah, sort of golf as a metaphor for life kind of deal. And Bag of Ants mm-hmm. providing uh, you know, his worldly wisdom as he and Matt Damon uh, stroll around the court. Um, the, the blind side around the course. Was it the Sorry. blind side with Sandra Bullock? Was that the blind side? Bl- blind side is with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah, that was a sensational film. What about yourself? Uh, look, I, I have three that I like very much, and they are all sort of written and directed by the same guy, a gentleman named Ron Shelton. Now he he did baseball with a movie called Bull Durham. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did basketball with the uh, legendary White Men Can't Jump. And he did golf with uh, with Tin Cup, two of which two of those movies starred Kevin Costner. I was going to uh, say, t- I was going to say, Tin Cup was also great. Yeah, Tin Cup is fantastic. Uh, I rewatch those regularly. He also made a movie about boxing called Player to the Bone, which I saw exactly once, <laughs> and I don't know if I ever want to revisit it. I mean, I don't think it was bad, but uh, certainly not as good as the other three. But oh, those three are, are really these movies are, are great about the sporting lifestyle and they're great about the people who play sport not just you yeah. know when they're on the field or whatever but also when they're off the field but how their uh, sporting life kind of bleeds into their real life it's, uh, it's, it's sort of yeah, it consumes their lives yeah very much so yeah they're marvelous stuff and yeah great performances um across the board and all of them and there's one other that I really really like uh called warrior now there have been a few sort of uh, mixed martial arts and uh, ultimate fighting movies that have come out. Mostly they're sort of direct video to video types that usually starve wrestlers. But uh, And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but Warrior sort of yes, it is. sets it, sets its <laughs> sights a little higher. Yes, it is, you're saying. <laughs> uh, but Warrior is about these two brothers, uh, played by Australia's own Joel Edgerton and England's own Tom Hardy. Uh, they're estranged because their parents broke up when they were young, the father played by Nolte, took one of them. The mother took the other. Uh, they haven't really. The brothers haven't really seen each other in a very long time. But they're both um, they're both fighters. And you know, Hardy was a uh, he served in the military. He was a marine. He gets out of the uh, out of the armed services and armed forces and comes back. Has to make a little money and he starts you know doing doing fights. And Hardy is in shape in this man. He's insane. He's in, insanely muscled, but also just terrifying. Uh, and Edgerton is a uh, he's a family man. He's a teacher, but you know the economy is not that great, and he's sort of doing sideline brawls to you know make a bit of a make a bit of cash so he can you know keep his house and keep his family together. I remember I remember seeing Warrior like on the on Netflix, maybe not Netflix or Stan or something, and going that does look like a really good film because the cast is also very good. Yeah, the cast is awesome, and yeah, it culminates with these two brothers facing off in a in a uh, yeah bra- in a brawl to win it all, and. Oh, no. Look, there are there are certain movies that make uh, make grown men cry, and they're not ashamed to admit it. Every time I watch Warrior, and it's about ten years old, and I watch it maybe once every eighteen months, I am just an absolute wreck by the end. It is uh, it is a marvelous movie. Yeah, which is the uh, one you you mentioned? I'm pretty sure it was you mentioning. Was it the the Champ or something? Oh, the Champ, the boxing one. <laughs> yeah, we had a, like a really sad ending where the, the boys watching him die or something. Yes, yeah, the the. Um, the champ has um, oh, he's a boxer who's sort of uh, you know at the tail end of his career. Yeah, Mickey uh, Rock from the wrestler, basically. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, but that's another good one. I mean, The Wrestler isn't so... It's about wrestling, but it's more about The Wrestler. And yeah, yeah that's a that's a fantastic movie. And look, Mickey yeah. Rourke has fucked up his life and his career in more ways than most people can count. But, <laughs> ooh, he fucking delivered with The Wrestler. Jesus, oh, yeah, that movie. was Yeah, that was sensational. I'm actually surprised. There's a couple of films I thought would make your list. I thought Any Given Sunday would have been on your list. Yeah, I, I need to revisit it, probably. I just think it was a bit sort of... Um, it's a bit too much. There's too many eggs in that particular pudding. Okay. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it is. Well, it's got old. one of the it's got one of the all time great trailers though. If you want to find yeah. the trailer on YouTube, it's to um, push it by garbage, and it's like, oh man, yeah, it, okay. it makes you want to see the movie. It also makes you just want to go out and play American football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, um, we should probably mention the Rocky films. They're pretty iconic. <laughs> We should indeed. I mean, um, look, not all Rocky movies are created equal, if you ask me. I mean, which ones do you like, Dando? I, I mean, I grew up watching the first and the third. Is the third one with Hogan? Is that the third one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, because I, I loved wrestling when I was a kid, I was big on the third one. <laughs> oh, the third one's the third one's an absolute win. I mean, Rocky yeah. one is a great movie. Rocky two, I haven't seen in ages, but I remember thinking, eh, not as good as the other. Rocky three is just awesome and ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, it's, Rocky it's, Four it's like, is it's, sort it's of Hulk Hogan, is, so it can't be too serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing of it is, I mean, you look at Mr. T and you think, oh, you're you're a bit ridiculous, and oh, Mr. T, I pity the fool. He is absolutely terrifying in, oh, in Rocky right, Three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Club Clubber Lang is just a monster, <laughs> and you know he's absolutely kicking the shit out of Rocky. No, it's marvelous. Um, Rocky Four is pretty good, but it's very 1986. Rocky Five is not great. Uh, Rocky Balboa, which is the sixth one, hmm. pretty good, and you need that because after that you get Creed, and Creed yeah. is legitimately good. Creed's a fantastic movie, one of the best movies of the 21st century. Do you have to? Wow, really? Okay, that's a big call. So, do you have to have seen Rocky Balboa to appreciate Creed? Um, actually, no, you don't. I mean, Creed's pretty much like a reboot, but uh, okay. I think I think the whole Rocky thing was kind of dead in the water until Stallone put together Rocky Balboa, and it was like. Hey, we kind of like this character. It's not bad, and I think that's what got uh, sort of people talking about the idea of of a a spin off or a what they call a legacy sequel, where it's you know sort of related to events that have gone before, but it goes off in a new direction. And yeah, I think yeah, I think Creed was a really good idea. Creed two is not that great, but I hear they're making a Creed three, and Michael B. Jordan, who plays Creed in the movies, is supposedly down to direct. So that could be that could be kind of interesting. Do they feature any Creed songs on the soundtrack? They feature no Creed songs. <laughs> With arms wide open. <laughs> um, what, what, were your thoughts on, what were your thoughts on Rocky Seven, Adrian's Revenge? <laughs> Adrian showed remarkable, uh, remarkable staying power. You know, she was. Um... <laughs> Alrighty, well that wraps up the mailbag for Tennis the Menace. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we do appreciate your support. Don't forget, rate review us in the iTunes store. Follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount. And if you want to support the show and get access into the, the uh, Four Finger Discount Facebook group and a bunch of other podcasts and get the show a week early and all our other podcasts on the Four Finger Discount a bit earlier, you can just be a patron at patreon.com slash Four Finger Discount. Next week we are reviewing the Sideshow Bob episode. It is uh, the day of the Jack and Apes. Really looking forward to that. We haven't had Sideshow Bob for a while. Do we even have Sideshow Bob last season? Can't remember. Have you done, have you done a Sideshow I think Bob it's been episode a, yet? I think it's been a long time between drinks for Sideshow Bob. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I don't think you've done a Sideshow Bob episode yet, have you? 
not me. No. No, not you. No. Okay. Ooh. Looking forward to it because I always remember really enjoying, really enjoying this episode. So next week, day of the Jack and Apes. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Well, if you are thinking of becoming a four-finger discount patron, just think of it as an investment in extravagance. Shh.